All right. Well, hey, guys, thanks so much uh, for the opportunity to be here this morning. You guys are an amazing church. As we're worshiping, uh, the hymn came to my mind continually. There's a sweet, sweet spirit in this place. You you guys know this hymn, right? That's a fantastic hymn, and I know that it's the presence of the Lord, and the Lord is here this morning. And so I am so grateful uh, to be here with each and every one of you guys. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 7 this morning. Matthew chapter 7, this is the ending of the Sermon on the Mount. One of my favorite passages of Scripture, when you're going through uh, valleys, when you're even going through mountaintops, there are some favorite passages of Scripture that you kind of mull over in your life, I think. Mine, I'll just share with you, are are the book of Philippians. I I love all of the prison epistles because you, you, you look at Paul and where he's at, literally in prison, and yet he is praising God and showing us how we can praise God in the valley. But then the second one is the Sermon on the Mount. The words, uh, the, the, the words in red, literally, like we just sang, all throughout three whole entire chapters of just Jesus pouring into you and to me. And so I, I love the Sermon on the Mount, but the, the Sermon on the Mount really in its entirety is to show you and I how we are to be completely different than the world. How, how our walk with Christ literally should be the complete opposite of what the world says is true. And so the entire sermon is literally turning everything on its head. And what we see in our passage this morning is, is one of my favorite passages of all time. This is the gospel in a nutshell. This is Jesus Christ. His words on the side of a mountain pouring out to all of these people that are there and to you and to me and the entire world that says, I died a death for you, that I am going to the cross, I am going to pay a debt, and I want you to be with me in paradise forever and ever. And that is what we see, the truth of the gospel, the good news straight out of Jesus' lips here this morning. But this isn't just what we see here in the Sermon on the Mount. This is something we have seen over and over and over again ever since the fall. Deuteronomy chapter 30, uh, verses 19 and 20. It says, I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live, you and your descendants, by loving the Lord your God. I love 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Where are you at, brother? Oh, it's one of my favorite passages of all time. May we be a new creation in Christ. That means that we are completely different than when we entered into the kingdom of God, that we are not the same person. I love the fact that, that Jesus changes many of the disciples' names. You were Simon. You are now Peter. You are the rock of which I am going to build my church on. You were this person, but now you know me, and now you are someone completely different. And that's how you and I should live. We are different in Christ. We are different in Christ. 
after Israel came into the promised land. One of my favorite passages, Joshua. Joshua, they're already in the promised land. They have now crossed over the Jordan. They are there in the promised land, the one that they have been wandering around in the wilderness for years and years. You know that promised land? The ones that their parents didn't actually get to see it. You, you, you understand that promised land? They are finally there. And Joshua says this in chapter 24 of Joshua. He says, I gave you a land on which you had not labored and cities which you had not built and you have lived in them, you are eating of vineyards and olive groves, which you did not plant. Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. If it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, right? We will serve the Lord. Choose for yourself today. This is how we should wake up and arise every single day of our life. Are we going to choose to follow Christ today, or are we going to choose to follow the ways of the world? One of, my, one of my dear friends, absolutely love him, uh, he, I, don't, I doubt you guys know Randy Moore, but he was the youth pastor at, at Temple for like 722 years, I think. It was, it was, it was a long time. Uh, great guy. Uh, he he uh, works out all the time, and uh, I, I love the story that he constantly tells me. He says, at least once a month, he'll go and buy a pizza, and then he'll drive to Planet Fitness where he works out eat the pizza while he's watching everybody work out, and then go home. <laughs> I don't know why he does that, but it reminds me, are we going to serve Christ? Are we going to do the hard things in life, or are we going to take the easy way out and eat a pizza and watch everybody else work out? Right? That is kind of how the kingdom of God works. On the, on the Mount Carmel, prophet Elijah he says this, 1 Kings chapter 18, Elijah came near to all the people and he says, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people did not answer him a word. How long will you and I sit on the fence and decide Christ is the answer? It is all about Christ. It has always been about Christ and it will always be about Christ. Let's look at our passage just quickly uh, this morning in Matthew chapter 7. Look at verses 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. From this point on to the rest of this Sermon on the Mount, which is not much further. I'm sure some of you guys have already read through that as I've been talking, which is fine. It doesn't hurt my feelings at all. Read the Scripture. It's all good. You know, Spence was saying, don't fall asleep. I, I never get offended when people fall asleep. If you are that comfortable in the house of God, 
Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm grateful that you are that comfortable in the house of God. That means you are pretty secure in your faith. So I'm happy. You guys can go ahead and take a nap. But the, the end of this, all the way from here to the end, is all about two choices. It's all about two choices. And that is, that is our walk with Christ. But we're going to see this as you, as you finish, again, the, through uh, the Sermon on the Mount, as you finish that, you're going to see that there are two gates, there are two, uh, uh, there are two paths, there are two ways, there are two destinations, there are two groups, there's the, the few and, and the many, there are two kinds of trees, the good and the bad, which produce two kinds of fruit. There are two kinds of people that you're going to see as he finishes out this Sermon on the Mount. He's, there, there are those, the people who profess faith in Christ, the sincere and the false. There are two kinds of builders, the wise and the foolish. There are two foundations, the rock and the sand. There are two houses, the secure and the insecure. Jesus makes the choice crystal clear. We have the path of righteousness and Christ, or we have the path of destruction and hell. And that is the choice that each and every one of us has to make. Verse 13, it starts with this word, enter. Enter. This is a demand. This is a demand for a specific action. And notice here that that we have no choice, that you and I will enter one path or another just because we were born. We are going to enter into one of these gates. Are we going to enter into the narrow path or are we going to enter into the wide path? But one, we will enter into this, but this is a command. A command for you and for me not to admire the principles or, or to respect and praise Jesus because he was a great teacher. No, this is a command that says Jesus Christ is who he says he is and was who he says he was and he will do what he says he will do. And that is specifically that he's coming back for you and for me. He's coming back for the bride. That is his people. That is the church, the bride of Christ. He is returning. He is returning in that living hope that we have in Jesus Christ. So the command for us here is to enter. Enter through the narrow gate which leads to Jesus Christ. John chapter 14 and verse 6, Jesus says to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. In John chapter 10 and verse 9, he says, I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. I know Spence preaches. I know you've heard people preach that there is only one way to enter into the kingdom of God. And we say that because we get that from Acts chapter 4 verse 12. We get that from other places, but Acts chapter 4 verse 12, there is salvation in no one else. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men by which we must be saved. The world says, yes, there are many religions, and ultimately they all lead to heaven. And that is straight from the pits of hell. There is one way, and that is Jesus Christ. There is one name, and that is Jesus Christ. 
We must be on this narrow path if you and I have the promises of God. The promises of God that says He will never leave us nor forsake us. The promises of God that says that if we are His, He is going to prepare a place for us and He is coming again for you and for me. And that is what should get us up every single morning, to know that this is not all that there is to life, that there is so much more for you and for me, and that is eternal life in Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5, for there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad. If we're going to enter into this narrow gate, this narrow gate is so tight. How many of you guys have uh, traveled uh, airports lately? Anybody traveled in an airport? Hopefully not over Southwest, complete teardown. That was dreadful if you guys were caught in that. Uh, that, was, that was terrible. But it, it, you have to take off your shoes. Anybody had to take off your shoes to go through the whole thing? Yeah. So this always, remi- every time I do that, I don't know why, every time I do that, it reminds me that the, the gate is so narrow, you can't even take your shoes. You can't even take yourself through the narrow gate. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16. I ask you to turn there just because everybody can find it. You just turn right couple of pages, right? Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 and 25. They say this, then Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. We enter into this narrow gate with nothing, empty-handed and saying, Christ, I have nothing to offer you and everything to gain. It is nothing about how smart I am or how much money I have or or how many followers I have on on Faceplant or, or, or any of those Insta chats, right? Whatever those things are that you guys do, right? How many followers you got? It doesn't matter. Jesus said, do you follow me? Do you follow me? Charles Spurgeon says, you and your sins must separate or you and your God will never come together. The wide gate. You and I don't have to enter into the wide gate because we are born into it. We're born into the wide gate. The wide gate that is broad, that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. I have six children, six wonderful, well, five wonderful children. I'm just totally kidding. I have six wonderful children. Uh, we are blessed to have six children, and, and none of them have I ever had to, I, I've had to teach them to go to the bathroom. I've had to teach them uh, kind of how to talk. I've had to teach them to walk. I've had to teach them all of these things, but not a single one did I have to teach the word no to. That's, that's their first word, no, right? No. Are, are you going to be nice today? No. Right? Stop throwing toys at your sister. No. How many of you guys had to teach your child? No. They're born, right? We are all born into the path of destruction. We are all born into the ways of the world. And the God of this world, the Bible tells us, 
is Satan. Satan is the god of this world, all right? And so we're all born into that way. We're all born into the path uh, of, of the bride path, uh, the broad path that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. The way is broad. It is easy. It's attractive. It's inclusive. It, it's indulgent. It's permissive. It's self-oriented. It's full of tolerance. There are few rules. There are few restrictions, few requirements. All you need to do is profess Jesus or, or at least uh, be religious, right? Religious. How many of you guys have been to a, a funeral where, where, where great-grandmother had passed away and, oh, she was so religious, so religious. Religion gets you nowhere. Religion gets you nowhere. A relationship with Jesus Christ gets you everywhere. Everywhere. Religion will never save you, but a relationship can. Sin is tolerated. Truth is moderated. Humility is ignored. This is the way that requires no spiritual maturity, no moral character, no commitment, no sacrifice. This is the way of our government. No, I'm just kidding. This is, this is, sorry, I digress. This is the way of the world. This is the way of the world. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 12, there is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Its end is the way of death. The narrow way, this way is, is for those who come the way of the Beatitudes, which you see in, in chapter 5. These are the ways that, that, that people come in a way to Christ that say, I have nothing to offer and everything to gain. Matthew chapter 13, 44 through 46, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in the field, which a man found and hid again from joy, from joy over it. He goes and sells all that he has and he buys that field. The only thing that matters to him is salvation in Jesus Christ. He doesn't care if he has money in the bank. He doesn't care if he owns anything. He doesn't care about health. What he cares about is relationship with Jesus Christ and he sells all that he has for that relationship goes on in verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking fine pearls. And upon finding one pearl of great value, he went and sold all that he had and he bought it. We cannot hold on to the things of this world and the things of God. We must wake up every day, deny ourselves, and follow Jesus Christ. It's not for those who want a cheap and easy way to assure heaven while continuing to live our own selfish and worldly lives on earth. There are far too many people that fill our churches, that fill our churches every single Sunday, every single Wednesday that say, yes, I want the things of God on Sunday morning between nine and noon, and then I'm going to go home, and I'm going to leave God at that place, and I'm going to do all the things that I want to do. Now, we wouldn't say that out loud, but if somebody was to follow us around, it would be pretty easy for them to be able to see where do our priorities lie. 
Where are our priorities? You see, Jesus Christ in his word tells us that we are to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, and to follow him. What is it we can do to serve Christ today? Not is it what we can do to serve ourselves today? This is why the world tells us there are few who find it. Uh, We can pay nothing for salvation, yet coming to Jesus Christ costs everything that we have. Luke chapter 14 and verse 26. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and his mother and his wife and his children, his brothers, his sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. You see, Jesus Christ loves us so much that he gave his one and only son to die a death, even death on a cross. And because he did that, the book of Philippians in chapter 2 tells us, because he did that, because he gave of himself willingly to die a death, even death on a cross, because he did that, God bestowed upon him the name above every name, that at that name every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. We all will at some point in our lives confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But for some, that may be too late. For some, that may be after we have breathed our last you see, there are some religions that say once they have passed, there's, there's so much money we can give, there's so many prayers that we can offer for them in order that we may bring them out of purgatory or bring them out of hell and into heaven. All we have to do is pray harder, and that is a lie. After we breathe our last, that's it. That's it for you and for me. While we have breath in our lungs, may you and I choose to enter through the narrow gate. Verse 14, for the gate is small and the way is narrow that leads to life and there are few who find it. Let me tell you just a quick story uh, this morning since I have another hour to go. <laughs> quick quick story this morning. Uh, 2022. 20, uh, so we have six children, as I said. Uh, one, uh, he is 22, be 23 in, in March. He was born with all kinds of, of, of issues, health issues. He's had two kidney transplants, one from his wife, one, uh, one from his, his mom, one from me. Uh, and, and, and in April of 2022, he loses uh, his kidney. His last kidney was for me. Loses his kidney. We begin dialysis. Uh, we begin the whole process of, of dialysis. He, he in April uh, he he uh, literally dies on the side of the road. We we do CPR. We bring him back to life, not because of anything I did, but the Lord said today is not the day. Why I don't know. He said today was not the day. So my, my son still lives. Today, uh, he's in a hospital room at OU right now in the hospital. Got admitted uh, a couple of uh, days ago. Let's see, that would have been Wednesday. We got admitted Thursday. Thursday, the doctors walk in and, and say, uh, there, there, there's a chance, there's a chance. Uh, he's, we found this mass in his throat. There's a chance that's going to be cancerous. 
So we're going to have to do some scans on Monday in order to see what's going on in his life, in his body. My wife and I were there. We began to cry. The doctor is there. She's a believer, good friend of ours. So we began to pray with her, and we began to pray that not our will, but God's will would be done in his life in order that God may bring glory to himself through our story, through our life. A few hours later, an Iranian nurse walks in, and we begin to share the gospel. We begin to share the gospel with this nurse who walks in. I, I, am, I, am, I am excited to be here with you this morning, to share the good news of Jesus Christ. I'm here to tell you that it's not always going to be a great, beautiful walk and journey. There are valleys there are valleys that, that we are called to. But the good thing, the great thing that we see, uh, turn with me to John chapter 6. I just want to show you John chapter 6. I, I want you to see from the Word of God, from Jesus' lips, He never promises us this great journey where everything's going to be great, where, where you and I are going to be able to live our best life now. We are going to have a great life in eternity forever and ever and ever where we get to sing praises to our Heavenly Father. And John chapter 6, John chapter 6 is a, a great chapter. Uh, this is uh, an amazing chapter where, where he begins to talk to them about uh, uh, he is the bread of life and how people need to eat from him, and they, they get all freaked out and think that he's talking about cannibalism or, or whatever the case may be, and they decide this isn't what's right for us. We come to John chapter 6 and verse 66. As a result of this, many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus says to the twelve, you do not want to go away also, do you? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. There is no other answer. There is no other option. No matter how dark the world gets, no matter how deep the valley is, Jesus Christ is with us every step of the way. That is our Savior. That is our God who promises us everlasting life, who does promise you and me this great life. But that's after we serve Him and glorify Him in the midst of the valleys. Are we going to, to, to hold up in our houses and say, oh God, it's just too painful. It's just too bad. You don't understand the world and the life of which I have to live. I'm just going to hold up in my house. Or are we going to do what God has called us to do? And that is to share the good news of Jesus Christ. A letter written to Melbourne, Australia in the daily newspaper. So it's written many years ago, and it says this, after hearing Dr. Billy Graham on the air and viewing him on television and reading reports and letters concerning him and his mission, the letter says, I am heartily sick of the type of religion that insists my soul and everyone else's needs saving, whatever that means. I have never felt that I was lost, nor do I feel 
that I daily wallow in the mire of sin, although repetitive preaching insists that I do. Give me a practical religion that teaches gentleness and tolerance, that acknowledges no barriers of color or creed, that remembers the aged and teaches children of goodness and not sin. If in order to save my soul, I must accept such a philosophy as I have recently heard preached, I prefer to remain forever damned. That is the way of the world. That is the thoughts of this world. It is your job as followers of Jesus Christ. It is my job as followers of Jesus Christ that we may share the good news of who He is, that we may go to the ends of the earth that we may go into a hospital room and Jesus Himself brings the lost world into our room. And we share the good news of Jesus Christ. People like this will never understand. Psalm chapter 16, verse 11. You will make known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Joy. In the presence of God, no matter what's going on in this world, in the presence of God, we find joy, joy in the hard times. He says also in Psalm 1611, in your right hand, there are pleasures forever. That is Jesus Christ. That is the Savior of the world. That is the God that you and I are called to worship in the good times and in the bad times. May you and I proclaim Jesus Christ as Savior of the world. And so as I close this morning, as I close, and I promise I'm done, in Matthew chapter 7, this passage is for you this morning. Just because you, you came to a church service this morning does not mean that you have given your heart and your life to Jesus Christ. So I hope as we read this, and I want to read it one more time, and as we read this passage, may you take a, an inventory of your life and may you truly find out where you are in the presence of God. Do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you have a relationship with Him? Religion will never save you, but a relationship with Jesus Christ promises life after death. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life, and there are few who find it. Do you have life this morning? Do you have life abundantly this morning in Jesus Christ? Let me pray for you. Let me pray for you, and we'll do a time of invitation. I'll turn it over to you, my brother, and let you handle that. Let me pray for us. Father, we are grateful grateful to be in your house this morning. 
What amazing group of people that are here to serve you, our Heavenly Father. The love that, that each and every one has poured out upon me and, and my family and this church. God, we are just so grateful. God, I ask that you would use us in a mighty way. And Father, that means that, means that we want to give you full control to take us outside of our comfort zones, that we may share the love and the joy of who you are. To say, God, we have no answers to the problems of this world except you and you alone. We have nothing to, to offer except the Word of God and you, and you alone. But Father, use us. Use us. Bring people into our lives this week that we may share the good news of who you are. And Father, most importantly, may our relationship be right with you. May we truly be a new creation. The old has gone away. Behold, the new, the new has come. May we be alive in Christ in this place today and every day. For God, you are worthy. You are worthy of praise and honor and adoration. For you are our God and we are your people. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.